Hey kids, my name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 18 of the show, where we are continuing our coverage of February 1963, picking up in the second week, February 12th, with my favorite Marvel character. Um, Doctor Strange? Well, Doctor Strange is like weird cousin, because it's both Steve Ditko creations. Ah. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's Spider-Man, silly. It's yeah, all about Spider-Man. Spider-Man, number two. Amazing Spider-Man. I should write the lyrics to your theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got a song that's pretty awesome already, but... Amazing Spider-Man. I don't think that I could do anything wrong. <laughs> 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 you find it the vulture in this show. And so you can find tinker. everything you want to know about us at makearsmarvel.com. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> we're done with this episode. No. Okay. Um, amazing Spider-Man number two as the vulture on the cover with a little inset panel. Uh, he's trapped by the terrible tinkerer. And um, <laughs> God, that'd be so awesome if that's how he actually talked. <laughs> I don't think he's been in a cartoon, but if he has, I'm the terrible tinkerer. I think it was Michael Bailey in Amazing Spider-Man Classics mentioned how every time he thinks about the Terrible Tinker, he's like the guy. I don't even know what show it's from. Is if it's a Family Guy show or you know, yes, must yes. Be arms. yeah, yes, the Terrible it Tinker. Is. So <laughs> it's their grandpa or something like that. But anyway, yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this, yeah, is... they do look alike. That makes a lot of sense now that you put that together. <laughs> This is the last um, on of, of you know of the, of this being a thing. It's always not the last time it ever happens, but it's the last time where it's a thing of Spider-Man having two stories in one issue. Continuing my working theory that the opening story for the first issue and the second issue were both planned for back in the Amazing Fantasy days. Mm. Um, this one. The Vulture issue was probably plotted and at least partially drawn before Amazing Fantasy was canceled, because I think it was going to feed into issue 17. Um, and I think that the reason that the Peter Palmer mistake in the Chameleon story was because that was the first time back on the character after mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. But, but there's a, an out-of-web fluid gag in this issue that is scripted in order to follow up on the inserted scene from the last issue. Anyways, wibbly-wobbly um righty whitey and um <laughs> all right so there is there are people just walking through town walking through the city doing their thing um working for the weekend and silently viciously without a sound or a any kind of warning he strikes the vulture flies by grabs a briefcase out of dude's hand it's like oh no that was a fortune and money that he just stole and, and bonds um, and so like, Oh no, the vulture, he just tried to nowhere. And the daily bugle and now magazine, let's, let's let J Jonah Jameson. Let's, let's put the, uh, Oh no, Stan Lee's voice. Yeah. This is J Jonah Jameson. Let's put our next issue at now magazine all about the vulture. And, um, so at school, Peter's doing his science experiments in his science class with a science coat on and all the other kids like science. And, um, they're talking about the vulture and how no one's been able to get a photograph of him. And Peter's like, oh, that's an idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can get pictures. I've got like a special skill set enabling just this happenstance of circumstances. So he decides that he is going to go and get pictures of the vulture. Um, coincidentally, at home, while Aunt May is making wheat cakes for him, she's like, Er, Peter, dear, this is your your grandfather's, your grandfather, your Uncle Ben's camera. I'm sure he wanted you to have it now that he's dead. And Peter's like, wow, this is totally convenient to the plot and it can help us pay our bills. (laughs) So uh, he takes the camera and he dresses up as Spider-Man, goes out, you know, flying around the city and he sees the vulture and he gets some pictures of the vulture and, um, no, what's does he actually take the pictures of the vulture to no. the Daily Bugle first, or does he go to the Daily Bugle and promise to get the pictures? He he uh, he tries to get them, and he gets thrown into a water tower. 
Oh, that's right. He doesn't actually succeed in getting pictures. Okay, so yeah, that's that's why I was getting confused in my head. So he goes to get pictures of the vulture. He finds the vulture, and then the vulture's like, oh, something's behind me. Swings around, kicks Spider-Man in the head, um, knocks him out, grabs him, dumps him in a water tower, uh, like a big old silo of water. And Spider-Man's down in the water. He's like, oh, I can just web out of here. Oh, my webbing is still empty from last issue. And so instead of climbing out because the sides of a silo are slimy because that water's not potable at all. Um, he decides to swim down to the bottom, coil up all of his strength and jump out and like hard enough that he goes through the water first out of the water and then through the air and out of the hole of the top of the silo. Kind of crazy how much power would have to be in that jump, but he does it. Mm-hmm. And, um, the pictures that he got of the vulture, he goes home and he develops them and he makes a belt for himself. He's like, if I'm going to, if I'm be running out of um, web fluid, I've got to have extra web fluid with me. So I make this belt full with, it's just gonna be full of web cartridges and I'll just put them all around my belt. It'd be so great. And I'm going to figure out some way to attach this really big clumsy camera to my costume until um, I can get a miniature camera later. So he then take he also has an idea of how the vulture is flying because that's part of the thing is that no one knows how the vulture can fly with this big old green feather suit with these artificial wings. No one knows how I can fly with my artificial wings. Um, and so Peter's like, I think I've got it. I am a science whiz in high school. I have taken one entire semester of chemistry. I know how this is going to happen. So. Um, he spends a lot of the night making a device. He then goes to the Daily Bugle and talks to J. Jonah Jameson and says, I've got these pictures here if you want to buy them from me. And J. Jonah Jameson says, Excelsior, I'm going to get these pictures from you. Hey, just how does a kid like you get photos like this anyway? How do you get pictures of Spider-Man and the Vulture? And not Spider-Man because he hasn't got a picture of Spider-Man yet. How do you get pictures of the Vulture like that? And Peter's like, yeah, I'll sell them to you on the one condition that you never ask me how I get them. And Jonah's like, sure, I have no ethical dilemmas with this whatsoever. I'll, I'll, I'll pay for your pictures. So Peter's like, great. So um, later he, uh, the vulture has made a promise to the police that he's going to steal some jewels out from under their noses. So there's this like armored truck delivery of jewels happening. And they've got like police all over the place with guns. Everyone's looking in the sky. Not a single person has their eyes anywhere but up. And so, like, there's no way the vulture is going to catch us flat-footed this time. So as the guy is taking the jewels off of the armored truck, he approaches a manhole cover, and the vulture's under there. He lifts up the manhole cover. He grabs the jewels. He dives back down, flies past the Ninja Turtles, and out through the... um, (laughs) train tunnels because I guess the sewers and the trains are connected. I, I don't know how the underground in New York works. Um, so Peter's like, well, crap, that happened. I got to change the Spider-Man. I stopped the vulture. So he does. He changes Spider-Man. He stops the vulture. He um, rigs up his little device that he had. He gets his camera so he can take some pictures, gets pictures of the vulture. Um, and what happens is he webs the vulture's foot and climbs hand over hand up to him and grabs him by the ankle. And the vulture's like, no, you're too heavy. We're both going to die. And Spider-Man's like, well, I've got this little thingy here. And he pushes a button on the thing. He goes, dee, 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 dee. And, and suddenly the vulture's like, well, crap, I can't stay in the air anymore. And he starts spiraling down and down. And Peter, uh, Spider-Man, webs himself to safety and takes pictures of the vulture spiraling down, getting captured by the cops. And he's like, ah, See, the vulture was flying via one of the many miracles of magnetism. (laughs) And this happens to be an anti-magnetic inverter. So there you go. I stopped the vulture. Takes the pictures to J. Jonah Jameson. And Jonah's like, oh, this is great. And you got pictures of Spider-Man too? And Peter's like, yes. And you're going to pay me $75,000 for these pictures. I don't know how much he gets paid for the pictures, but he gets paid so much money that all of their money worries at home from like uncle Ben dying in the first issue where they don't have any money. They can't pay their bills and the landlord's hollering. Peter has taken care of all of that and paid the rent for a year. And he's going to be able to take 
Aunt May out to dinner, get some CeCe's pizza or something expensive like that. Um, da, 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 the end. Yeah, Jay Jonah was very generous, uh, which is uncharacteristic, sadly, because I'm pretty sure in future stories he'll be a cheapskate. But yeah, I think it's one of those like sort of the first ones free kind of thing. Like I'll, I'll pay you for the first pictures, but his uh, his lack of generosity does become a notorious element of his character after a while. Job? No job. Freelance. Just right. a perfect thing for a guy like you. Yeah. That's how I think of Jay. So I was actually kind of happy that like, wow, it kind of ended, it, it, not kind of, it very much ended on a happy note for Peter Parker for once. I'm probably the only time. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. But, but like, well, yeah, thinking, a like, year's worth of rent. That's great. Every story so far has ended with Peter in tears. Mm-hmm. Every single one. Uncle Ben gets killed. Um, there's a warrant out for his arrest. Um, the chameleon, like the cops think that Spider-Man's a crook in Spider-Man's not present whenever they actually find the chameleon. Spider-Man mm-hmm. runs off sad because he thinks he can never, everything he does wrong. So this is really the first Spider-Man story that actually ends well. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. And it's nice that, you know, J. Jonah Jameson isn't a monster all the time, just a Spider-Man apparently. Um, and maybe but I gotta, taking, taking advantage ahead. of Peter might be partly inspiring him to, uh, be such a miserly cheapskate later. So now magazine, um, did they say that last Spider-Man issue? Now magazine, that's his thing. Um, you know, not the Daily Bugle, obviously, which is what it will be. Well, he has both. He has Daily Bugle and now magazine. Oh, okay. I don't think either one was specified in the first issue. Maybe it was. Okay. But J. Jonah Jameson Publications puts out a magazine and a newspaper. So now magazine sounds like a. Uh, schlep of a paper or a magazine kind of like like it seems sensationalized and i think someone even says oh that teacher of his says uh uh put down your lurid picture magazine (laughs) you know and maybe he's just saying that about any magazine that is that kids in his class hold i don't know or if he specifically Mm -hmm. thinks now magazine is a lurid magazine but i could see jameson like maybe publishing trash he could he could publish trash i i thought of now as being like time or Newsweek or something, but but it it could definitely be several steps below that. I mean, the cover is Spider-Man's head and underneath it, it says menace. (laughs) So, but that could still be time, I guess. I don't know. And now magazine goes away very quickly and we don't hear anything about anything except for the daily bugle until like a decade and a half from now when Carol Danvers gets brought on as the editor of the new woman magazine. Mm. which was supposed to be a riff on the new Ms. magazine, which had just been launched, which is what inspired the name of Ms. Marvel. Mm. But that's, you know, 1975 or six talking to a seven, maybe. So I'm going to maybe annoy Spider-Man fans, but I'm not sure what you guys all think, but I have never liked the vulture. Uh, He just seems like the least threatening villain (laughs) to to have possibly made a, a, you know, a rogues gallery for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. This ancient eighty-year-old guy and his only power is like he can fly, and Spider-Man yeah. has has trouble with him. It's like, yeah. No, I get it, especially when you put it in such simplistic terms. Like the, he, all he can do is fly. This is his only thing. Yeah. Um, I guess growing up with these stories, and there were two Vulture stories in the first twenty issues of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two Vulture stories, and the second one has some really cool visuals to go along with it. Uh, I just, it's always been a thing for me. It's the vulture. It's always been a thing. And he is, I, he's always been a thing. He's definitely on his gallery. Like he's definitely, I mean, I don't know where he ranks, but he's up there. Yeah. He's, he's pretty up there. Uh, he's done. A, there are a lot of vulture stories. And I see, that's the part I just don't, I just don't get how he keeps coming back and people like him, but Hey, whatever works, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get the menace he poses to the common man. Mm hmm. But not the menace he poses as Spider-Man, if I think about it too hard. I mean, he's not even cool looking, really. So, yeah, I don't know why Like some characters make it and some don't sometimes. Sometimes I completely get why a character makes it. But in the case of the Vulture, it's like, why is he no better off? Why is he better off than, than, yeah, why is he better off than, I don't know, any of these other nameless villains we've been covering in other books, you know? Why did he make it? Why did he make it? I'll tell you, though, I liked when they announced... Michael Keaton was going to be the Vulture in Homecoming. I groaned like, "Oh God, we're out of villains. We got to do the Vulture." Mm-hmm. But I liked that take, like a much more menacing Iron kind of Vulture who actually is literally a Vulture that like feeds on the carrion of 
alien battles and you know aftermaths of alien battles and stuff like that. That was yeah, cool. Yeah, that's cool metaphor working there. Yeah, versus this guy who just I can fly and I'm going to steal your jewels when you're not looking. I guess. <laughs> Man, guard the jewels. <laughs> um, minor note: there are no parts in this story. Um, so this is the first Spider-Man story that doesn't have. Well, the first uh, Spider-Man comic doesn't have parts in it. Uh, because Marvel's done with that. We're going to see yeah. a part one in the Fantastic Four issue, but there's no part two. Mm. Like, literally in the middle of the issue, they're going to stop doing parts. Well, it's just a one-parter. I guess so. That's broken up into two things. But anyway. But this issue definitely establishes us as being in New York. There's none of this center city jazz from, from Ant-Man. Um, and you were talking about Jonah. So I recently read... As part of my Spider-Man read-through that's been going on for years, I recently read The Amazing Spider-Man 365, Mm -hmm. which is the black hologram cover with the uh, 30th anniversary celebration. Oh, yes. And there is a Jonah backup story in that that talks about how he came to hate Spider-Man. Aha. Now we're getting to it. So he was aware of Spider-Man during his wrestling circuit and... Um, TV show days. Okay. And evidently, whenever Spider-Man failed to stop the guard in the hallway, the officer talked to the press because that incident was not what that became known. Jonah found out about it. Oh. So that was when he realized that this is just a guy, a stuck up guy who has no heroism to him whatsoever. He's just doing uh, all these stunts for money, and he's dangerous because he could have helped, and he didn't help. I wonder if he wrote that story. Oh, that'd be interesting. They didn't say it from that perspective, but that would be interesting to, to have that happen. People would have that perception. and that, that, Like, Spider-Man let that guy get away, and that guy ended up murdering some poor kid's uncle. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, and Jonah knows that that guy who was let go also ended up killing an old man in Queens Mm -hmm. a little bit later. Sure. So what Peter holds against himself, Jonah also holds against Spider-Man. So they both hate Spider-Man for the same reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you want to call Peter's self-loathing, but yeah. 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 That's interesting. I wonder if Peter knew that if he'd like, be more accepting of, of J. John Jameson's like, <laughs> you know, overt actions against him all the time. But, um, so also I had another note from, for Jonah, just from a, um, out of the box perspective. Uh, I feel like he is kind of a parody of the power of the media mm. to just like make up whatever they want to and pass it off as fact. Yeah. Isn't that called mud raking or something like that? Yeah. I mean, back nowadays, in the day. you know, now it's are, called Fox news, but, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you call yourself news, but you're just making up whatever you want to, and it, it's technically entertainment, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I I wrote down a lot of stuff while we get, while I was going through the story, so I don't want to cut you off at any point. But um, go ahead. Getting to the the scene where he's in school. Well, before that, the splash page. Yeah. I feel like that's a really common flashback picture mm-hmm. of like the vulture flying up and Spider-Man kind of holding onto his ankle and looking like he wants to punch him. He's about but to then I, him. I also know that cause I follow you on Twitter and one of your things about Twitter is you post like what you've been reading, you know, covers mm-hmm. and you're one of your, I don't know, you've got 500 reading projects, but one of them is in line with like what I was reading when I was collecting comics back in the day, first into it. It's like your the whole, I think it's your mutant run or something. Cause yeah, cause my Spider-Man and my X-Men reading are, are synced. Right. So, so um, you post a lot of things like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and all those guys and how they got their own books and then they disappeared and went to Image. But you're at that sweet spot where they're like they're getting their own books now, you know, X-Force, Spider-Man, X-Men. Um, but I think at some point Rob Liefeld parodied or not parodied, homaged, homaged this for a, either a cover. I think it was a cover of New Mutants. Yeah, I, I, it might have been Liefeld's first issue of the New Mutants. Yeah, I think the it was the first one. And the MLF were breaking. Um, so like was Rusty out of jail, and the Vulture was there too, and Rusty didn't want to leave jail. And there are several panels of the Vulture in that story that are definitely after Ditko. Yeah, and maybe even the cover. I just yeah, remember I the this. cover has the Vulture versus Rusty like in the air. Yeah. So anyway, not that that's necessarily relevant to this, but other than 
he took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Liefeld's first that that was Liefeld's first New Mutants. Oh, yeah. We did he did the um, the Atlantis Attacks annual, but I think that was his first oh. regular issue. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, the vulture steals the stuff, and the bugle goes kind of crazy about it, and then Peter's in class, and Flash gives him a hard time, mm-hmm. and he says, "Very funny, Moose. At least my brain isn't muscle bound like that fat head of yours." And I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Stan got Flash's name wrong here. Like, not intentionally as a nickname, but, like, actually called oh. him Moose. See, I thought it was just a different character because I feel like every time Steve Gitkos draws a story, he pulls those three, those same three kids out and puts them in the background all smiling <laughs> like jerks. It's always one dude and two chicks. But um, I, my thought on that was, was that the first time he's ever dared to talk back because now he knows that he can handle himself? I mean, we'll never know because. Oh yeah, because he didn't talk back to Flash in the first. In the Flash only appears in Amazing Fantasy fifteen. This is his first appearance since then. Like and, tra- uh, traditionally, traditionally, if if you're a nerd, you're not retorting back and calling your bully a fathead without right. expecting to be punched. So maybe now, Peter's like, "There's a secret identity, and there's also getting stomped on, and I don't have to be stomped on anymore." Mm-hmm. I mean, later we're gonna get the idea, at least from Flash's perspective, that like. Peter was always antisocial and came off as being better than anyone else, which is why they had to take him down a peg. I don't think that that scans really as well as Flash thinks it does mm-hmm. because, you know, Flash is a lot of bullying. Um, yeah. yeah. Peter's just sitting there doing his own thing. Um, have you watched the new Karate Kid on Netflix? I have. I mean, on YouTube, I mean. Same idea. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. the bully always has their own justifications for why they're jerks. I guess. And I kind of feel like having a huge old camera dangling off of your belt would be really awkward. Yeah, Spider-Man's costume has always been a little like Mary Poppins about like you can just shove a big lamp in your bag. Because uh, his web shooters, too, I always feel like his wrist should be like all bulky. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the movies now where like the wrists are just like bracelets on the outside. Right. And I think I think he even has a belt with capsules on it. Maybe those are extra webbing or something like that. I don't know. Well, but, once uh, uh, once Ben Riley did the the web shooters on the outside of the costume, it became like a thing. Oh, we, we can do it like that now. Oh, okay, let's do it like that now. Yeah, because I mean, they're not. It's not. It can't be skin tight. So it's weird that he could just put his gloves on and magically look like he has nothing. And yeah, he does the same thing with the belt. I make the comment about the camera because he says he's going to try to find a way to fasten it to his costume. But later on in the fight with the vulture, he actually has it dangling from web in his hand. So maybe he doesn't actually fasten that big old camera to his costume. Maybe he waits for the miniature one. Um, yeah, he says he makes the belt for additional web fluid cartridges. Mm-hmm. So I guess the idea there is that he won't ever be out of them again, hopefully. But he will. So, so I, I know the vulture is not really a threat, but I, I do like his visuals as a vulture. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to page five, that mm-hmm. second panel, uh-huh. I mean – yeah. The old man, he just looks like a vulture. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's, they, a, it's a cool design. Either he has a hunchback or the costume has a hunchback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's all like like a, you know, hunched over and menacing looking. I mean, Steve Ditko, so it's cool art. Yeah. I like the shadows like in the openings, too, where like there's this vulture shadow walking over a businessman. And then all of a sudden, you know, yoink, he, gots his, he just takes his uh, briefcase and flies away. So... It's cool. I just don't want, I, you know, it's just like, why doesn't Spider-Man just flick him in the face with his pinky and get it over with, you know? Yeah, because he's old. He's about to fall over. <laughs> There's just nothing about him that could, should stop Spider-Man, really. But, you know, it's it's issue number two, so I can be fine with it. I'm just always, I'm just amazed that it kept going, I guess. I don't really know why. Maybe future stories will be interesting, and that's why. I don't know. So we get to him running out of web fluid inside the silo. Uh-huh. And so, in my mind, this scene was drawn. In issue two. Mm-hmm. And then at some point later, they decide they're going to bring these comics or, you know, bring Spider-Man back. So they go and do a backup story for issue one, and he seeds the idea of him losing his, his web fluid. Mm-hmm. But in the art here, there's nothing in the art that says that he was already out of web fluid. This, this could be the first time it happened. And really, all of the dialogue can be exactly like it is, except the second balloon of panel three would either have to be gone or different. First balloon says, I'll just shoot my web towards the top. And oh no, the ejector's empty. Right. It could be the new eject. He's just now discovering it. Except now that we've had that backup story in issue one, 
second balloon, I forgot to refill it since I used it last. I've been so busy with that camera. I've got to try something else. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Or, yeah, either way. But, yeah, um, so I don't know where I got this information from that's floating around in my head. But you know how, like, Spider-Man can web, can crawl on buildings or crawl on walls? And Nightcrawler can crawl on walls? Can Nightcrawler crawl walls? Yes, he can. Okay. Um, and how Nightcrawler does it is he has all these, like, microscopic little hooky things that are in his fingers. Yeah. So he's like a spidery kind of guy. And how Spider-Man does it, at least from what's swirling around in my head, and again, I don't know where I got this, but, like, he actually alters the molecular stuffy stuff between his fingers and what he's trying to stick to, which is why really? his, his sticking is, like, way more magical than, like, Nightcrawler sticking, I guess. Um, so here, that doesn't seem to be the case because if it's a wet wall... He can't stick to it. Yeah, he tries to stick to the slime and he just slides down. Right. So I don't know if that's always going to be the case. Like, he actually has things he can't stick to. But I swear well, at some I, point they make it, like, molecular. The one thing, I, I, I never heard the molecular thing, which is just because I actually have read very little modern Spider-Man. Um, but the one thing I always remember from his stickiness, I think it's an annual or it's one of those 30th anniversary issues. There's a backup story where Peter explains all of his powers to Mary Jane for no reason before they have sex. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, Gets her he in mentions, the mood. Yeah, you know, as you do. That's what I he do. He mentions that, yeah. like, his sticking ability is versatile enough that almost any part of his body he can make sticky. Mm-hmm. And she's like, almost any part? Right. So that little scene right there has always been in my head since I was, you know, a, you know barely pubescent teen reading spider-man comics yeah and wondering you know why the peter's wife is always walking around in negligees in their apartment but um <laughs> but yeah so i don't know i, I never I heard know. the molecular thing i i'm actually really curious about that i don't know more about me that. too because i don't know where it came from i just remember someone talking about the differences differences between the two the two uh you know wall crawling individuals but mm-hmm. it kind of makes no sense like why would if you have spider powers, why like spiders don't connect to walls molecularly, as far as I know. No, yeah, they have little claws on the ends of their feet, and and right. the spider. I remember the Spider-Man movie, the first like Tom uh, Sam Raimi movie uh-huh. that like he shows like little little hairs coming off of his fingers. Right. Yeah. So and I don't know. Maybe maybe Spider-Man has little claws. He does. So I could be totally wrong. Some Spider-Man expert right in. Tell us how it really works, or how does it maybe really maybe work? they've contradicted themselves multiple times at this point. I don't know. Oh, uh, it seems like possible. Yeah. Um. So Peter decides to exploit Jonah's hate of Spider-Man as a gag. He just, I like it. Oh, it's funny. I'm going to take advantage of that. It sounds like a teenagery thing to do. It does. I feel like there are other versions of Spider-Man that I've read where people have like ethical problems with Peter exploiting Jonah. Yeah, like, how- I feel like there's been. Instances where he couldn't find anybody else to buy them but Jonah. Yeah, or like... And so wh- he was forced why you, to. Why are you making yourself look bad? Peter, why are you making Spider-Man look bad? Mm, that too. Yeah, he's not really helping his own cause by fueling the guy who hates him, but... Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm certain of it. Not in other versions, but in other parts of Amazing Spider-Man history, people do give him a hard time for helping his friend slash hero who has saved people's lives, Spider-Man... Look bad yeah. in the press with Jonah. That one time Cap showed up at his house and just kicked his ass. <laughs> Did that happen? No, I totally made that up. Wouldn't that I be funny? I want that to happen now. <laughs> it's like, stop messing with my friend Spider-Man. But <laughs> anyway. We get uh, to um, page eight, if that's okay. Yeah. So on panel two, um, Jonah's like, what's that? You've got some exclusive photos of the Vulture? Joe, have him stop the presses. And there is debate in fandom, is it possible that Joe here is Joe Robertson? Ah, why not? Right, why not? So much later, like 40 issues later, Joe Robertson is brought on as a city editor of the Daily Bugle, and he's introduced to Peter Parker at that time. But not brought on brought on like he was hired in that issue. He's already been there. That's That's the way I choose to read it, is like, it's very possible, maybe even probable, that Joe Robertson was already working for the Bugle in some other capacity that never had cause to say hello to... P- because we know that whenever Peter goes to the Bugle, the only people he talks to are Betty and Jonah. This is like 
Jimmy Olsen and like everybody trying to figure out when his first appearance was. Right. <laughs> it could also just be a guy named Joe because you know that's kind of a common name. So totally could be a guy named Joe. Just a guy named Joe. That's issue thirty-seven. Less interesting though. Yeah. Um, Jonah's office looks really cool on page eight, and it will never look this cool again. Yeah. With the glass doors and oh yeah, the really yeah. big desk. No, they turn into it like a newspaper eventually. Yeah. Maybe this is what now magazine office looks like. Mm-hmm. Maybe now magazine just goes bust. Maybe they fold that publishing effort because no one buys now magazine because it's a lurid tabloid shunned by high school science teachers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Peter asks that you not use his name. He does not want a byline. But right. I know at some point Peter's byline does start getting used. I don't know when they make that change. And I'm not sure that anyone ever mentions, oh, now we can start putting Peter's name on his pictures. There, there's a comic out there at some point years and years ago that was like pictures by Peter Parker. And it's just all like his pictures that he's done over the years or something like that. It's like one of yeah, his, yeah, he like has a, a book, book he published. made. Yeah, he has yeah. a book published. So he, at some point he outs himself. And um, there's this whole long plot thread in the early 90s about a photo that was published that was misattributed to Peter Parker that got him in a lot of trouble with the mob. And so they were like gunning for him. And Nick Katzenberg was involved in all that and lots of other stuff. So Peter's byline does eventually start getting used. But I don't know if they ever actually make a declaration of, hey, we're doing that now. Hey, how'd you get these pictures of the vulture? I asked that you never asked me that. Oh, so you're the vulture? Uh, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. Oh, you're the vulture's son? <laughs> no, you know the vulture somehow. No, no, no. Completely unrelated to the vulture. Like, there's just no newsman in him at this point. He just wants the pictures, I guess. Yeah. Because the guy at the Daily Globe is totally all about that. You got to have some sort of special camera, right? How does yeah. It- <laughs> um, there's a very Superman moment on page nine where stuff starts to happen. And Peter's like, oh, oh, I, know. I guess yeah. I better go off here. Um, usually people criticize Clark, though, at this period. They're neither so vicious nor so loud about it. Well, he is like Moose here or Flash, as we'll just assume he really is. He could just be been called moose as a as a name calling device but um that's how you have to read it like like he just doesn't let up i mean is this really like they're in a crowd full of people waiting for the vulture to show up and he has to watch peter to see if peter stays the entire time and if he doesn't he's a chicken because he has nothing else to do like everybody else like right wow you are really committed to this bully thing i mean that's not even worth bullying it's like come on be our friend now okay so let's try looking at this from 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 the 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 supposed point of view of flash (laughs) Well, they take Peter along. He's like, okay. He's like, yeah, we'll protect you. It's all right. Come on. Let's go. Let's go do this. And they're sitting they sitting there do, watching. They do, don't they? I kind of didn't notice that. And then Peter's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going. So Flash is like, okay, come on. Let's. Okay. Well, that actually kind of makes a little more sense then. Because I thought he was just like watching him for no reason. But he actually brought him. And he's leaving the group early. So yeah, now that's like subjecting himself to torture, I guess. I will almost never come to the defense of Flash. But in this one instance, that yeah. understanding of the situation actually does make a little bit of sense. Or what if he just thinks he's like, you know, busting his chops? Maybe Flash comes from a family of like 20 brothers and they all talk to each other like this. Like Thing and Human Torch talk to each other like this and we don't think they're enemies. Yeah, true. And Flash is laughing the whole time. Yeah. And that's one thing that sensitive boys have to come to grips with is learning how to laugh with people and not take everything personally. Because mm-hmm. we don't we don't know how to deal with emotions, so we we mask them with like you know making fun of people, right? Um, and some people aren't good at that, and those people usually end up being the quote unquote nerds. So I could see, I guess, why that would work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love page ten. Uh, I like to hear. I wish there was a sound effect that said like zoink or something like that. But uh, <laughs> I love that they're just walking along, looking up. I don't see the vulture. I don't see the soink. And he comes from below and just takes the case. Or like that old, uh, like an old uh, musical effect from like old cartoons. He just like grabs yeah. it. What? That was cool. And he just goes through the sewers and flies out of a train tunnel. It's a great series of visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, now he flies. From the sewers and the the non-public parts of the tunnels into the subway 
public right. access areas and then out of the subway tunnel. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's neat. Mm-hmm. And then Peter's changing at the bottom there. It's a good it's a good art page. And Peter's favorite thing about being Spider-Man power-wise is he likes to climb walls. It's going to take forever, right? For flipping ever. Yeah, but I kind of imagine it would be maybe the most fun part. It would be really yeah. cool if you could climb walls. It would be really cool and especially if like if you had enough strength to like not pull yourself tired. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like no. but like so you could not just walk up the wall with all four things all like there's walking where like all four limbs are always touching the wall at one time. Yeah. Or there's running where like you're propelling yourself up. Yeah. And you're just like occasionally grabbing the wall and doing another propel, you know? Like a cat jumping or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or a so spider. I'd like to think that he can do the second one if he needs to. It's kind of, I don't know, maybe dumb to visualize it that way because like crawling the walls looks so much cooler. Well, I mean, he can also jump really high. So he has a good head start on the rest of us who would have to start at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, but I like so how to- the fight's cool and like how, you know, at some point Peter's just like, uh, yeah, I'm really good in the air too. So this is not that big a deal for me. <laughs> and he says, I, I feel vibrations in the air behind me, which is an early description of spider sense. Uh-huh. That, like yeah, he's yeah. actually feeling the vibrations of the air. That's how he knows there's danger coming. That's like a spider does. So later, that probably isn't how it works. No, it becomes this nebulous tingling sensation that he feels. <laughs> Neb- That's a t-shirt. Nebulous tingling sensations. Yeah. <laughs> My nebulous tingling sensation is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a picture of like the half Peter, half Spider-Man. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the vulture is really just another one of Stanley's miracles of magnetism. Uh-huh. Yeah, they don't really talk about where he gets it or what his motivation is, other than he clearly wants to be recognized as awesome because he like gave everybody notes that he was going to steal it so they'd all be ready for him and everything, just to make it more challenging, you know? Yeah, not just rich, but awesomely rich and yeah. awesome and rich. Right. So that's his motivation, but we don't really know much about him other than this. Nope. Yet. Okay. Um, so we've done 45 minutes on the Vulture. <laughs> well, I could do 15 on the Tinker, no problem. Um, if we're going to get the Fantastic Four into this one, we're better. We're not. We better start tinkering. <laughs> so, Fantastic Four will be next week, kids. But anyway, it go. might. It might. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's fine. It's a big. It's a big issue. I love Spider Man. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. Because so, I have some tinkerer thoughts. So yeah, we don't want we don't want to rush them. Mm-mm. Why are we rushing? Why are no, why why do that? Because we think by tomorrow we'll get to 1990s or something. Right. <laughs> Even though this stuff's better. So anyway, in so many ways. I mean, I like the 90s. I, yeah. I'm reading through the 90s right now, but sure, nothing beats 60s Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. Gosh. Right. Okay. So, um, terrible tinkerer, the uncanny threat of the terrible tinkerer. We open in the uh, offices of the Daily Planet. I mean, uh, in the schoolroom class of Peter Parker, as he is once again sciencing his science in the science class. And the science teacher comes in with a science guy and says, hey, science guy, told you about the science student? He likes science and he's going to science for you on the weekends. And <laughs> science guy's like, oh, sweet. And Peter's like, famous science guy. I would love to work for you for the weekends. We can science our asses off. So um, they make a plan, go work with him for the weekend. And that's um, uh, the, the the kids tease him about it after the science guy leaves. Yeah, you're going to work for the science guy. He's like, yeah. Stephen Hawking just came in here and said he wants to work with me. Yes, I'm doing that. And shut up. So um, Peter goes on his way. Dr. Bromwell, I think is the guy's name. Maybe not. Maybe that's his physical his position later. Professor Cobwell. Professor Cobwell. Dr. Bromwell is Aunt May's position later. Oh, Professor Cobwell. Awkward. Yeah. Um, so on his way to show up at Cobwell's office, he's been sent on an errand. Go by the Tinkerer repair shop and pick up the radio I had worked on. Gosh dang it. I can't even look at the Tinkerer anymore without thinking of Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> so... So Peter goes in. Hey there, Wesley. <laughs> I haven't even seen the episode. I just heard the lines. <laughs> and Tinker is like, I got some radio, huh? I got your radio downstairs. 
I'm gonna go down in my basement and get it. So um, he goes down to his basement, and, and there are aliens down there. <laughs> Green aliens, like like big old alien aliens, um, who are like, yes, Doctor Cobwell, he's one of our special projects. <laughs> Uh, alien noises i don't know mm-hmm. and um so he gives the tinkerer the radio and goes back upstairs and gives it to peter he's like okay sweet and it's only a dime thinks to himself man he's gotta be losing money on every single repair if he only charges a dime can't even buy a stick of gum with a dime anymore it's 2018 um so he notices his spider sense is picking up some weird electrical impulses mm-hmm. in the shop He's like, oh, whatever. Leaves, goes to work for Cobwell. They do some science with their science apparatus and all their little glass science tubes. And Bromwell's like, okay. Cobwell's, I, I, I want to go out and, you know, take a science break. And uh, you stay here and do this and this and this. He's like, okay, got it. So Cobwell lays beers working, working, working. He's like, wait a second. Those impulses I was feeling at the Tinkerer's repair shop, I'm sensing them here now, too. And the only thing that's in common between the two, besides myself, is the radio that I picked up. And now that Cogwell's gone, I'm going to check out this radio. Pulls off the back. Whoa. This is way more science than any radio I've ever seen before. So, uh, hmm. Wonder, I guess I should go check out the Tinker's Repair Shop. So he puts on a Spider-Man costume, swings over to Tinker's Repair Shop, goes inside. It's after hours, of course. So it's all dark. So he like, I don't know, breaks in a window or whatever. And um, goes to the back door, uh, the door at the back of the shop, and goes inside. It's like this stairwell to death. It's like down these stone dungeons with like torches and crap. So he goes down there. He's like, this is really crazy. Hey, look, it's an alien. So he sneaks up behind the alien and um, all the other aliens see him like, he has a Spider-Man. So they, they, they punch Spider-Man and um, Tinker has this gun he's at Spider-Man with and Spider-Man's uh, knocked out and put in this like plexiglass dome that's suspended from the ceiling by a chain because we suspend people in cages in this alien dungeon basement thing. Um, and they're going to like force all the air out through the little holes. It's really, really menacing. So Spider-Man's like, oh, better get out of here somehow. So he lines up his little web nozzle, lines up just perfectly with the hole in the cage that the air is going to get forced out of. And, and he sees the button over there that's marked Spider-Man reject, uh, ejection button. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, okay. And he hits it and opens up the door. Um, he fights the aliens, wrestles with the tinkerer, um, some piece of heavy equipment knocks against another piece of heavy equipment. Now there's a fire and everything's burning and all the aliens are like, run away, run away, we're aliens, we can't face the fire. It's Spider-Man, he's too powerful. And um, Spider-Man's like, okay, tinkerer, you, you betrayed you know, the human race, at least they were working for their own people. You, you coward. And they're wrestling and they're fighting. He's like, I'll get you safe if you'll just stop wrestling with me, even though I called you names. And um, then Spider-Man, uh, the, the Tinker gets away. Spider-Man gets away. And he re- and we, like um, goes back to the Cobwell office. And Dr. Cobwell goes, Peter Parker, you'll never guess what I saw. There was a spaceship flying overhead. Oh, uh, never mind, spaceship. I'm an old man saying old man things. Pay no attention. I'm 65. They're probably going to fire me soon anyway. Um, and so he hands uh, Peter some science to him, goes on about his business. And Peter's like, whew, I guess I shouldn't tell Dr. Cobwell what I learned about the Tinker as I was wrestling with him. And he holds up a Tinkerer rubber face mask. Oh! Because the Tinkerer was actually an alien wearing a rubber face mask. Or was he? I... And that's basically the end. think he wasn't. Because... Yeah. I've never read this story before, but I've known of the Tinkerer from other stories. Mm-hmm. Where he's essentially just supplying technology to supervillains. Like... If you ever ask yourself, like, how does Diamondback from the Serpent Society get her diamonds? You know, she doesn't know how to do anything. Well, she buys them from the Tinkerer. You know, that's the right. answer. He's like the answer to anybody who's not scientifically inclined but has awesome powers that are invented. And, yeah, I never knew this story or this whole alien business or anything about him other than I thought he was just an old 
smart person who helped villains for money. Yeah, so, which brings up the whole interview with the vampire thing, where they had vampires pretending to be actors pretending to be vampires. The Tinkerer is a human pretending to be an alien, pretending to be a human. It's weird. Uh, but why? Or do they yeah, ever explain why. that? They never explain that? Um, I don't remember exactly what is said when the Tinkerer shows up again. It's like 159 or something like that. Oh, God. Started. We got a ways to go, huh? Okay. Yeah, Tinkerer's t- the Tinkerer is dead for a long time. At some point, he just becomes an old man, though. He's not mm-hmm. really an alien. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's ever actually an alien. And actually, here's the kicker. You ready? Mm-hmm. These aliens aren't really aliens. What? They are stunt guys in alien costumes, hella method acting. Why? I don't remember why, but I do know that one <laughs> one of them, one of them is Quentin Beck Mysterio. So the story was so shockingly dumb that we don't even know the reason why. We just remember that it was happening. Yeah. Well, I remember the retcon that like Quentin Beck was here. Okay. Um, but I don't remember the explanation of why they were pretending to be aliens. Okay. Um. And we're not going to find out about the Quentin Beck retcon for a real long time. His first appearance is issue 13. But years later, we find out, oh, he was here, too. Because if you remember Mysterio, we're going to find out later. Mysterio has, like, a stunt actor background. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He's a pretty early um, Spider-Man villain, isn't he? Mysterio? Yeah, he's issue 13. Okay. And the, But it brings the question, like, there's a spaceship that takes off. and right. That Cobwell sees and... Why are they talking about being aliens whenever there's no one else around to see them being aliens? Yeah, and their whole plot to take over the world, was that real? And like spying on people through their little cameras and their and their radios and stuff. Yeah, it's all a bunch it's it's the way it's written at face value, it feels like another like journey into mystery or mm-hmm. tale to astonish, but with Spider-Man in it. Yeah, I mean it's an okay story. I just Based on what I know of the Tinkerer, this doesn't gel with him at all. So that's why I was right. like reading this going, when is this going to resolve in a way that turns the Tinkerer back into an old man that just invents things? And it didn't resolve that way. Instead, it resolves like he was fake and an alien. And what the heck? Is the real Tinkerer like locked in his basement somewhere? Or yeah. What's going on? And I uh, I guess I won't know for hundreds of issues or something. Well, if anyone knows that story off the top of their heads and wants to just give us a little, you know, 47 million words or less situation of how that goes on you know yeah. an email yeah i mean that was pretty much my only main concern with this story if it, if it was just this story and i'd never heard of the tinkerer then it's just a fine you know 1963 story mm-hmm. about aliens trying to take over the world and spider-man stopping them it actually has the cool ending i like the mask ending i think it's neat uh like a little uh because you don't see him pull the mask off right you see him attack him and there's like smoke and he's like i gotta get out of here and then in the last panel it's like boy was this crazy that i found this and we're just kind of like ooh, he was really an alien the whole time that's awesome but you know michael kaiser who knows 1980s comics is like but but what huh that doesn't make sense well you'll notice that the continuity in this story flows a lot better after issue two than the continuity at the bat in the chameleon story flowed you know between issue one and issue two Mm -hmm. so we're 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 continuing on and flash appears here and he's called flash Mm -hmm. so stanley has remembered his name by this point and spider-man peter parker's not wearing a blue suit right so that was helpful so it's um moving forward with our spider-man storytelling which is good and next issue will be back to full-size stories um I was thinking about the um, dynamics of Peter getting chosen to go assist a professor at uh-huh. his home uh-huh. and how like teacher student dynamics today are so different and would never uh, really allow that. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. I kept waiting of, for something to happen with Cobble. Cobble. Right, for, him to, for him to be sinister or uh, yeah, something. Yeah, or something. Because... He says, Peter says, gosh, a chance to work with the most famous electronics expert in town. But then Cobwell has him pick up a radio that he's having repaired. And I was just like, why would the electronics expert need you to go fix the radio? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I kept, I, kept, I kept thinking they were like in it together or something. Yeah. And then, that's an interesting yeah. question. And then later they're in his lab and he's doing like chemical Bunsen burner stuff at the electronics experts lab so yeah and i don't know nothing happened he ended up just being like this nice smiley albert einstein looking guy who comes and goes from the story but uh yeah 
Um, the spider sense is a little weird. I'm not sure if he is sensing the presence of the electrical impulses or if he could actually feel electrical impulses. Like, yeah. does he sense that something is wrong and he realizes there's electrical stuff going on? Or is he actually sensing electrical th- like senses? Because I don't really like the latter, which I've said before. I don't like when the spider sense is a radio frequency transceiver. Right. Like, if it's dangerous to him, he should pick up anything, right? That's that, That's but, how it becomes, yeah. But, but how is it dangerous to him? Because it's eavesdropping on him. Is that dangerous to his physical presence? Not really. So, And he does say, strange, my spider sense picks up odd electrical impulses. Must be coming from this testing equipment. So I guess you could read that either way. Like, he just doesn't know how to describe his spider sense yet. Right. So every- Because it's not so much a matter of danger as, like, he sensed something before and he senses it here, and it's weird that he senses the same thing in two places. But it's more like a Wolverine smell thing. Well, you could argue that he's sensing the aliens and doesn't realize it. Aliens are posing a threat, maybe. They're okay. scary. And then in the office, you then could argue that he's sensing that he's being eavesdropped on. Maybe the, maybe his power is so great that, like, if anything is weird or fishy, like, the government's listening to him through his iPhone microphone that his spider sense goes off. I don't know. But I don't know how far it goes. Is it just a physical threat or... Could it be anything? At this point, it's it's still being defined, so right. it could be it could be anything. But like in the future, is it all just physical? Or if like if someone planted a bug in his room, would his spider sense go off, even though it's not threatening him physically? Yeah, I feel like I feel like yeah, I feel like if if I were reading a story and, and Peter Parker got home and his spider sense was tingling because his room had been bugged while he was gone, I would not be surprised. Right. That feel that feels like it it, it, it should be allowed. So we could just then argue that the first spider sense feeling was that there was a basement full of aliens, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is that he's bugged. And so he's like, okay, I'm feeling the spider. So he's, like you said earlier, he's describing it badly. He feels his spider sense and doesn't realize why. Yeah. He just links it to the radio because the radio is the only thing that was in both places. And let me tell you something that I – I don't know if this is funny for anybody else, but like I've told on the show before, my brother was a big Spider-Man fan. He collected Spider-Man in tandem with me collecting Captain America. So we were reading each other's books and stuff. And granted, we're young, so this isn't really a quote-unquote dumb question. There's no dumb questions, but you know, at that point when we were reading, he had alternated between red costume and black costume. Mm-hmm. He would go back and forth depending on the title kind of because it was post-Venom, so he was just wearing – a black costume. It wasn't the alien creature anymore. Right. And so sometimes his spider sense, see how they do it is it's a, it's just a metaphor, I guess, for his spider sense when they cover half his face as Spider-Man, right. right? As a costume. It's not really his costume on his face right there. It's just like a symbol that he's Spider-Man secretly and he's having a spider sense moment. Right? Which confused some letter writers. Like, that had to be okay. explained it, a few times. So that's what I was going to say. Because one day my brother looks to me and seriously says, how does Spider-Man's Spider-Sense know which costume he's wearing? <laughs> 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 and there was a big long pause for me because I didn't know what he even meant. And then I just started dying laughing and I could not get over it. It's still to be one of like the funniest moments of my life for some reason. But yeah. Not which costume he's wearing, but which costume is he likely to wear in this issue? But he was being serious because he thought literally the mask would show up on his face anytime he had a spider sense moment as Peter Parker. Wow. And I'm just like, it is interesting that they use this as a visual, as the visual. It's a really cool visual. It I is. love it. It is. But I'm glad that you've found other people who were confused by it. I was never confused by it, but apparently other people are, and it kind of makes sense to be confused by it. Because no, I, I don't kind of weird. ever being confused by it as a kid. I've been reading these I've been reading these first 20 Spider-Man stories for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I you know, I guess I, I can't blame them for being confused. I just never not thought of I just never thought of it that way, I guess. And, and, and the coloring is fainter and Yeah. And they they talk about him having the spider sense and it's just I mean they did everything they could to, to communicate what was going on there. Yeah. It's a cool design choice, though, Steve Ditko, yeah. that carried on forever and still is used today, I think, or should be. I like that Peter opens the radio and, and realizes what's going on, mm-hmm. which means that he's played with radios before, which totally makes sense for Peter Parker growing up in the early 60s and the 50s to have played with radios before. It just also tells me that in another life, he would be part of the Teen Brigade. Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't that have been cool if they tied that in somehow? Because he is a teenager right now. 
He is a teenager. Having him be on the teen brigade would have been a cool tie. It totally would have been. Wow. Because he could easily be a guy who looks up to Fantastic Four and is finds the Hulk interesting and all that stuff. And yeah. Wow. What a miss on their part. They should have done that. I mean, Spider-Man as a character doesn't need it. No, no. Enough, but but, I, but it, even if it was just like a panel here and there of like, you know, helping them out. Maybe not even in his own book. You know, like if Rick mm-hmm, Jones, if mm-hmm. Rick Jones throws out a question and it shows panels of all over the world, like people chiming in on where's Thor's whereabouts. And Peter Parker's one of those guys. That would have been neat. If he's just, yeah. hang, just hanging out in his house and, you know, he's part of this message board like every other teen. Oh, well. Um, I do like that as Sp- Spider-Man swings away from the fire and I kind of just like breezed over the entire Tinkerer thing. I probably shouldn't do that. Well, there's um, not a whole lot going on there other than a fight. Does he even have eyes? He has like squinty old man eyes. Yeah. I he has a lot of eyebrow. Eyes. A lot of eyebrow and a lot of like squidgy. He actually looks cool. I mean, it's it's sad that he's now been compared to the Family Guy guy and I'll never get over that. But he does <laughs> look cool. He's a cool design because he's like this old man with this really pointy chin and a lot of eyebrows. And he could be a fake mask for, you know, an actual alien. Right. So Spider-Man's swinging away from the fire. And someone says, look, it's Spider-Man. Maybe he started the fire. But why? It's early days. They're not automatically blaming Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. They're just wondering, okay, there's a fire. He's swinging away from the fire. It makes sense that he might have started it, but why would why would Spider-Man start a fire? So it's, I like that they're wondering why this coincidence is happening. Mm-hmm. They're not automatically blaming Spider-Man. But in an Ant-Man episode, or episode, an Ant-Man issue we read, they totally knew Ant-Man wasn't at fault, whatever it was. I can't even remember now. And in, mm-hmm. an, up, in an upcoming Iron Man, they're going to be like, He's clearly hypnotized because there's no way Iron Man would do this, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, like, still, even though they're questioning but why, they're also, like, not saying there's no way. Which they do for the other heroes. He's still kind of, uh, you know, on the low end of the totem pole when it comes to superheroing. Doesn't – did we miss that in the first issue? What? Peter mentions Ant-Man in issue one. No, he does not. Yes, he does. I'm just remembering it. We completely forgot to mention it. Because I didn't even notice. Okay, I, you know what? We're we're we're, we're stopping. We're not going to cover Fantastic Four today, anyway. No, we're not. So I'm so. just flipping back through Rewind. to issue one, and it's in the first story at the end of part one. Whenever he's, um, hmm. wait, yeah, 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 page five. Oh, page five. Okay. I don't get it. How do other superhuman guys like <gasps> the Fantastic Four and the Ant Man get away with it? Nice. Nobody bothers them. They always seem to make enough dough. Nobody bothers the Ant-Man. He's a freaking superhero. Okay. See, here's the problem, kids. When you've read a lot of stuff and then you go back to the beginning and you try and pretend like you don't know anything and you make your mind blank and you're trying to pick up on all the firsts and stuff. I probably read that panel and it just seemed like normal to me. Mm -hmm. Because why wouldn't Peter Parker talk about other Marvel Universe characters? But yeah, he's never done that except for obviously the Fantastic Four. But is that the first time like Ant-Man's ever been referenced in anything else? Yeah. No one else has mentioned Ant-Man. So Ant- that I mean, panel brings Ant-Man into the Marvel Universe. Right. Wow. Very, very good. Very true. That's the one. And it's and just like covered, this little tiny panel. We covered that after Fantastic Four 12. So that already had the Hulk brought in the Fantastic Four world. Uh-huh. And issue one of Spider-Man brings the Fantastic Four and the Ant-Man into Spider-Man's world. So the Hulk and the Fantastic Four and the Ant-Man and Spider-Man all exist in the same world. The only one we haven't done yet is Thor. Thor. Well, that, Iron Man just showed up. We haven't done Iron Man yet either. No. Yeah. Iron Man's early. But I'm surprised they haven't had like Hulk and Thor fight yet. But we know they will, obviously. All right. Um, so I'm looking to see if I had anything else on issue two. Well, uh, do you, you you read the, the uh, digital versions, right? I do. Do you? So you don't get ads like old school ads? I don't get ads, but I was wanting to check, and I forgot to check. Is this the one that has the really awesome house ad? Yes. It's, oh. it's got – it's called – it has watch for these great symbols in comics, and it has a big arrow pointing to the new letterboxes we were been talking about. I think last episode uh-huh. we brought them up uh, on the left-hand top corner where we all take for granted now. They're just starting to show up, so they're all excited. And then it has Thor, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Human Torch, and Ant-Man all kind of like standing there looking awesome, and each one of them – it tells you like what comic book you can 
see them in, you know, appearing in Tales to Astonish or Strange Tales and blah, blah, blah. And then it says, many other stars. And by many, they mean none, I guess, because that covers everybody on that picture because Hulk's right. gone. Plus, new surprises on our drawing board from the House of Ideas. And then it says Marvel Comics Group, 12 cents. And it's really cool. That is really cool. I love that house ad. Make sure to put that in the uh, the website. Cause yeah, for sure. That's probably my favorite house ad from this era. Oh, yeah. It's neat to see old school Iron Man standing yes. amongst standing amongst like Spider-Man and Ant-Man and Thor and Human the Torch. The old school Iron Man and the Human Torch solo series yeah. kind of clinched this era. Well, it's cool because they say Human Torch appearing in Strange Tales and Fantastic Four. Right. That, that's how popular he is. He gets two books. He does get two books. All right. Um, we started this at 135, I think I said, or 133. And it's 2.37. Uh, yeah, it's been an hour. It's been right at an hour. If I cut out the silences, well, we might be at like the 58 or 59 minute mark. But. And, and you still want to thank some people, and I want to plug the website, so we'll probably right. be good for that. But that this is the first time we've only covered one comic, I think. <laughs> wow. But Three it was a, last time, one this time. It was a big one, though. So you it, know. Is, it was a big one. Um, I I'm going to try not to gush a whole lot about Spider Man, but man, do I love this era of Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Spider Man is like. I mean, I hate to say this because that means my guy isn't, but Spider Man is the icon of Marvel, or uh, will be at this point, especially. Well, right now it's still the Fantastic Four. People don't realize just how awesome Spider Man is yet. He's going to be though. And he's better. The, the stories are better than the Fantastic Four stories. I mean, you make At a least, book called 50 Years of Marvel and Spider-Man's on the cover, you know? Right. That's just how it is. We are going to get in some really fantastic Fantastic Four stories. Mm-hmm. But right now, Spider-Man's stories are, are yeah. Are just starting. Yeah. So um, next episode, I guess we'll continue with Fantastic Four. Um, Iron Man is going to fight. Um, crap, I forgot. Even what he does. Doctor Strange. Issue. Oh, yeah. Okay, but not that Doctor Strange. Yeah, exactly that Doctor Strange. Tune in, kids. <laughs> I'm lying. He's lying. Yeah, I'm lying. So I uh, wanted to give some thank yous to people who are following us on the Facebook and liking us on the Twitter, um, and especially to people who are sharing our posts on Facebook and retweeting our tweets on Twitter, like taking those episodes and putting them out into your circle of friends so that your friends can see them. Um, I don't have, uh, I've been thanking those people individually on the website. Um, but as far as people who followed us, we have, let's see, this guy's name is, um, all, it's all initials H O C O F Hokoff. Okay. And Hokoff mainly focuses on comic books adapted into TV shows and films. Interesting. You enjoy. Then there is Jeff Haas, uh, at Haas Film, H-A-A-S. We have Alan. It's a Polish last name, Alan. I'm going to say with Wojciechowski. It's either Wojciechowski or Wojciechowski. I'm not sure which. Um, so thank you for following us, Alan. We have Costa Wojcinas. Um, we have Little Spider, which is... Um, fangirl de la ciencia. I love arañas slash spiders. So, um, we got some his, uh, Hispanic going on there. That's pretty cool. Tony Oz with three Z's, a musician who's following us. Thank you, Tony. And Mona Simona. Thank you, Mona, for following us on Twitter. So you can follow us on Twitter. And, and Mike, where can they, where can they find that? They can find that at makearsmarvel.com where we have all the subscriptions op- options you need for Apple, Android, Google Play, or just a general RSS feed. We have links to our social accounts for Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and YouTube. And we have a cool form that you can use to send us emails, or you can email us directly at podcast at makearsmarvel.com. All right. Well, until Spider-Man tells J. Jonah Jameson, that he is Peter Parker. Make ours marvel. Coming September Image 1st. Comics. 
formed in 1992 by several creators unhappy with their current place in the industry. So they band together to make a new comics company for a new generation of readers. Creator-owned mutants, cops, black ops government agents, demon-possessed, and they are going to be the greatest comics ever. In April of 1992, the first issues hit the stands, and fandom resounded with cries of... Pouches? Why are there so many pouches? What? You don't like pouches? All the Pouches, an Image Comics podcast, is one fan's exploration of those early years of Image Comics. Youngblood, The Savage Dragon, Spawn, and more, with maybe even a few pouches along the way. So come give a listen at johnreadscomics.com. That's John with no H. Just you can spell it right.